0: Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1 877 669 1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger. Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy to be here, and I'm glad that you could join me. On this uh, wonderful, wonderful evening, uh, the lines are not open uh, simply because they are—they're um, not working. So uh, the lines are not open. So don't call in. Although I wish I—you can call in. I wish you could, and I hope to have them fixed by tomorrow. But uh, tonight the lines are not open. So unfortunately, you cannot call in to the show. But I am here and I am live. I am—I am here and live, and—and. Uh, and I am uh, I am hosting the show, so here we are. Uh, we're going to start the show off this evening, uh, remembering a stalwart of the Jewish community, a, a a a man who 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 left his mark on the community in more ways than one. Mr. Alvin Siegel died uh, the other day. He he was uh, he was close to ninety years old, and uh, and he died. Uh, and Alvin Siegel is a um, is a name that pretty much the entire Jewish community knows because they've all milked him for some of his money. He was the founder of peerless clothing, a, a suit manufacturing company, and uh, he he made tons and tons of money and didn't mind donating it to causes that he agreed with. so he he built a cancer center at the Jewish General Hospital. It was important to him. and uh, and he um and he endowed the lobby at Yeshiva Gola uh, Elementary School, which I guess was important to him. And he took over a theater, a Jewish theater, which was on the verge of bankruptcy. He took it over and, uh, and, and gave money to, uh, to, to, to save the theater. And, and he must be commended for that. But he also stood in the way of religiosity. He, he was not a religionist. He did not believe that people should be religious and that, uh, that, that religious Jews should have a say in, uh, in, in the way the community is run. Uh, and I say this, I say this not lightly. I, I don't speak, I don't like speaking badly of the dead. And, and I, I'm not going to speak badly of Alvin Siegel because there's not really much bad I could say about him. My interactions with the man were not very pleasant. In fact, uh, the last thing the man said to me uh, was that I was an enemy of the Jewish people, an enemy of the Jewish community, uh, which, which I find laughable, and I actually laughed when he told me that that I was the enemy of the Jewish people. I laughed when he told me that because I've dedicated my entire life to educating, defending, and and supporting the Jewish community and supporting religion and supporting Judaism and, and defending Judaism. That's been my life mission that has been the dedication of my entire life. Anybody who's watched the show or listened to the show for the last 30 years knows that, that that's that's almost exclusively what I've talked about for 30 years is the fight against assimilation the fight against being like everybody else as jews we are different and, and to 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 lower ourselves and debase ourselves so that we could be like the rest of the mor- the the moralist society out there just doesn't make sense to me and so I, i've rallied against that for years and years and years and I continue to rally against that. This is a common theme that I talk about on this show and on my Israel News Talk radio show, Political Hitman. This is something that I talk about a lot. And I think it's an important thing to understand that's, that we have to stand up for Judaism because nobody else will. The world doesn't care about the Jews. It's, it's obvious that we could look around the world, we could see what's going on. We are not blind we could see it, we could feel it. We know that the world doesn't care about Jews. The world doesn't care about Jewish lives. The world doesn't care uh, about Jewish safety and the safety of the state of Israel. And so if the world doesn't care about it, then somebody has to. And the only people who could care about it are Jews. It's as simple as that. Jews have to care about Judaism and Jewish life. And when we get too comfortable in the diaspora, as we have, and we get too wealthy, as we have, and we become too too, uh, opulent, as we have, then that drive to defend Judaism, the drive to defend the Jewish people, suddenly disappears. It, it dissipates. The the, the 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 drive to defend the state of Israel dissipates. the the drive to 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 fight dissipates because you're because basically people get comfortable where they are and they're saying, hey, why do I have to put myself out? Why do I have to go the extra mile? Why do I have to bother? when we're comfortable when nobody's bothering us nobody's killing us so why why should i care why would i why would i put myself out to do, to 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 defend the state of, to defend the state of israel to defend judaism when when i know that if i do that and if i put my name forward and i speak out against jew haters it, it's going to come back and bite me in the, in the in the face so why should i do that and it's a question that's asked a lot and it is actually a reason why many Jews don't step forward and why there's so much Jewish apathy in the world. Because they're afraid to. Because living in an assimilated world, living amongst people who are not your people, as a guest in their society, many Jewish people are afraid to put their name forward. They're afraid to say anything. They're afraid. Scared. I always like to use the example of Concordia University students who are afraid to go on campus... Wearing any identifiable traits of Judaism. So they take off their David necklaces. They take off their yarmakas, they, they take off anything that could identify them as a Jew when they walk through campus at Concordia University. Imagine going to an institute of higher education and being afraid to show that you're a Jew. I don't see too many other people taking off their religious symbols when they go to university. But the Jewish kids one after another, doesn't matter how religious or irreligious they are, either they pop on a baseball cap or they take it off. Why? Why, you may ask. Why do we do that? Is it that we are not comfortable in our own skin? Or is that we understand that we live in a society that doesn't like us? You see, nobody wants to admit that, that we live in a society that doesn't like us. Nobody wants to admit the fact that we live in a world where we are the hated people. Sure, sure. Uh, you know when when muslims commit terror attacks uh, the media goes off against them and uh, they are the hated people and you'll hear muslim imams saying almost exactly what i'm saying about the islamic community but the truth is that the jews have been the hated people for a very 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 long time it is not a new phenomenon this is not something that uh, that 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 started yesterday so what causes jew hatred is a question that probably plagued Many th- deeper thinkers than me. Uh, I can't. I can't say that I'm. I'm an extremely deep thinker. Uh, I am not. I have opinions on a lot of things, but I can't say that I'm. I'm a horribly deep thinker. But I did come up with a theory on why Jews are the most hated people in the world. I have a theory. Now, whether the theory holds up or it doesn't hold up, that's up to you. And you could. Uh, you could email me. I'd say you could call in, but unfortunately the phone lines are not working, so you could email me, howie at truetalkradio.com. You could send me an email, and I'll, I'll answer your email. But the question is, I, don't even, you, you know, even the messaging system, when you message and I could read it on the screen, it's all down. There, there's some kind of glitch in the system. I'm fixing it. I'm working on it. I mean, the time change glitched up the system. That happens. So we're working on it. We should have it fixed by tomorrow. So the story is, uh, the, the reason I think that the Jews are the most hated people in the world, the reason I think that the Jews um, always always end up on the short end of the stick when living in the diaspora, when living under somebody else's reign, is simply, la, is simply this. The Jews were the chosen people. They were given the Torah by God, period. Everybody admits that. Everybody agrees to that. Uh, Christianity, Islam, everybody agrees that the Jews were given the Torah by God. Now, the Christians believe that they were given a, a New Testament, a new deal with God in the New Testament. And this New Testament was, uh, was nullified the Old Testament, in, in their opinion, nullified the Old Testament, and created a new deal with a new chosen people. But how could you possibly be a new chosen people when the original chosen people are still there? It's almost impossible. You can't do it. So for centuries, the Christians tried to do two things. Either convert Jews to Christianity or kill them. Because you can't have two people claiming to have the deal with God. A deal with God is very special and and, and it can't be shared amongst two people. So either the Jews have it right and the Jewish Testament is the correct one or the Christians have it right and the Christian Testament is the correct one. So which one is it? And this has been the debate for centuries. And if you take a look at Christian theology, if you take a look at the Christian writings uh, of, uh, over the last 300 years, you'll see that this question is rooted in, in, in a lot of Christian writings over the years. So it's fine. I mean, okay. So I can't, I can't say I am the new manager of the store while the old manager is still acting as manager. It makes total sense to me and so i have two choices either i could oust the old manager or i could um or i could kill the old manager these are the only two choices i have i can't coexist with the old manager because uh, because he is, uh, he is he is he's contrary to everything i'm trying to sell my people so the christians have said that you know they have the new testament so the old testament uh, is it's still a holy book, but it's null and void. The deals in the Old Testament are null and void. Fine. I could accept that. I could actually accept that. Uh, it explains a lot. But then what happened was along came Islam, and Islam was like, no, 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 no. Now we are the chosen people. God has decided that the Christians and the Jews weren't good enough. They weren't doing the job well enough. And so now Islam the Muslims are the chosen people. So we have a new new testament. Our new new testament is called the Quran. And our new new testament is what the guide for life. So forget about the old ones. Sure we'll use them as uh, as reference books, but forget about the old ones. The new new testament's are the important thing. It's the important book. So we must follow the Quran. And anyone who doesn't accept the fact that we are the new chosen people, anyone who wants to still follow their old books, well, you can't do that anymore because if you're following your old books, then my new books don't make any sense. So I must either kill you or or, or, or subjugate you. you. You must either work under me or I must kill you because you can't say that your book is the testament with God when our book is truly the new testament with God. It is, um... <laughs> that's the way it goes. It's a vicious circle. And then the next, uh... The next religion to come along after Islam, whoever comes along, will say that uh, that the Quran is uh, is the Old Testament, and and so on and so on. So everybody wants to be the boss, and that's pretty much what happens. Everybody wants to be the boss. So so, Mr. Siegel wasn't the only person to stand in the way, and I told the story a million times on the show about about Alvin Siegel, how uh, he approached me in a restaurant, and then he. Uh, and then he, he attacked me and called me a dinosaur. I, I've told the story a million times. If you want to go back into the archives and look it up, you can look it up. I'm not going to talk really badly about the dead right now. I, I wish his family. I wish his family the um, uh, comfort amongst the mortars of Zion, and I hope that uh, they are spared any, for, any any further sorrow. And uh, that's it. I mean, that's all I want to say about the guy. Uh, you know, I, I hate when people die. Uh... It's, it's sad when people die, especially uh, people who give a lot of money to the good causes in the Jewish community. So, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Siegel. Rest in peace. Baruch All right, we're we'll going to take a little break. When we come back, The Howie Silbiger Show continues right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Welcome to The Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Sobiger. This is the Howie Sobiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for being here with me. The phone lines are down. The chat line is down. Technology has failed us again tonight but i am live and you could see me and that's all that matters to me uh, tomorrow i hope to have everything back up and running uh, but right now everything seems to be uh, a little a little down so if you see if you're watching and you see me not looking directly at the camera uh, the reason i am not looking directly at the camera is i'm still trying to fix this problem while i'm doing the show i'm multitasking that's what they call it multitasking so while i'm doing the show i am still trying to um Still trying to fix the problem. You see, that's uh, that, that's that, that's how dedicated I am to getting the show running perfectly on the True Talk Radio Network. By the way, you could download the True Talk Radio Network app from your local app store, and of course, you could uh, podcast the Howie Silberger Show. Just uh, just add it to your podcast list, and uh, the latest episodes will be downloaded directly onto your device. And if you are um, if you are one of those smart home uh, owners, if you own an Alexa uh, Alexa device or a Google Nest or, or any of those smart home devices, you could always ask a device to play the Howie Silberger Show on Apple Podcasts, and it will play it for you, so you could never have to miss an episode. Isn't that amazing? I, I think technology is amazing, and uh, technology like that, unbelievably amazing. So there you go. You you can't you have no excuse for missing the Howie Silberger Show if you download the True Talk Radio Network app, you have the bonus of, uh, of, here, of of being able to access all the programming on True Talk Radio, which includes many, many talk shows and, of course, um, um, Inside the with Sheldon Eric Freed and the Howie Silberger Show. Oh, and political hitman. We're all there, all there on True Talk Radio. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week stream. Uh, overnights, we play old-time radio. All weekend, we play old-time radio. So check it out. True Talk Radio Network app. Get it at your local app store. Um, It's there. You could get it. All right, so moving on. Moving on. There was an election in Israel last week. We didn't talk about it, and we should have talked about it. Uh, The dictator of Israel is back in power. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu won the election. Uh, Again, he is back uh, as, as prime minister, or will be back as prime minister. Bibi Netanyahu has been prime minister of Israel for a lifetime. And will continue to serve as Prime Minister. The, uh, the problem with the parliamentary system, uh, and, and Israel has a hybrid version of the parliamentary system. It's not quite the parliamentary system. Well, it is. It works the same way as the parliamentary system. The Knesset in Israel works pretty much like the parliamentary system works in England and Canada and in all Commonwealth countries. The problem is that there are no term limits, so a man could be prime minister of a country for 27, 28 years. And when you hold the position of prime minister for so many years in a row, you do do become a dictator. You are a dictator. There's no other way to put it. You're a dictator. Now, of course, you can't just snap your fingers and get things done because you have to... um, You have to work with the parliament, you have to work with the Knesset, and they have to agree with you. But uh, it's hard to get a man who has been in power for so many years out of power. People grew up, there are literally adults living in Israel who don't remember a time when Bibi Netanyahu wasn't prime minister. To me, that's a little scary. And that's always been the issue I've had with the parliamentary system, always been the issue I had with uh, with a system of government that allows that allows people to, s- to hold on to power for so long. Canada has the same system where a prime minister could be prime minister forever. And as long as people keep voting in his party, he could continue being prime minister and nobody and nobody could get rid of him. And this is this is an issue for me because how do you have diversity, how do you have diverse opinions? How do you have a country move forward and change when it's the same guy running the show forever? So the same way you don't see dictatorships moving forward, you don't see countries with long-time premiers and long-time prime ministers, long-time presidents moving forward. The American uh, founders of America were very, very smart when they installed uh, term limits. It was, it was extremely smart. Start. It was extremely smart to install term limits uh, well, it wasn't even the founders—the people who stalled term limits in the 1950s—were extremely smart in stalling term limits. That way, you avoid a dictator. So, congratulations to Bibi Netanyahu. I hope you—you uh, you have a very successful premiership. You're going to have a majority government. I hope that is a successful majority government. I hope that you are successful in defending the Jewish state. But at the same time, I hope that there is somebody else there who is capable of taking over because you've been prime minister way 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 too long. Now I know some people are going to be upset by me saying something like that. Too bad. So there was a um, it seems like every week it's somebody else but so there, there was a, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Kanye West and his uh, his anti-jewish remarks on uh, on Twitter. And his doubling down on these anti-Jewish remarks and his continuously doubling down on these anti-Jewish remarks. The guy doesn't know when to quit. He's lost a billion dollars. And yet he still continues to spout out this garbage that he's been talking about. And there was a basketball player called uh, Kyrie Irving who also uh, decided that he was going to uh, talk badly about Jews. And uh, and and the thing is that um, that the Jewish community... Is so is so uh, sensitive for no reason that celebrities feel that they have to apologize, but the apologies are never real. In fact, they're so unreal that the NBC News NBC News published an article called uh, "Faking It: The Lies of Oh No, That's Not the Right One." Kyrie Irving and the Devaluation of the Public Apology. So um, the, the subcaption on that is the Nets player's perfunctory and performative sorry to the Jewish community after he was suspended indefinitely shows how meaningless celebrity apologies have become. So Thursday night, after years of causing controversy, the, Bro- the Brooklyn Nets' Kyrie Irving issued a rare apology. It wasn't about his history of endorsing anti-vaccine misinformation or for the time he shared a video containing a rant from noted conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. No, Irving's apology, a block of text posted alongside a black square on Instagram, stemmed from more recent controversy in which he was accused of promoting anti-Jewism after he tweeted a link to the Amazon page for Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America. It's a 2018 documentary that, amongst other things, claims that Jewish people worship Satan, insists that Jews controlled the African Atlantic slave trade, and that currently control the media, and denies that the Holocaust ever happened. After days of defending his choice to share the film with his nearly 5 million followers and refusing to denounce anti-Semitism unequivocally, Irving finally opened up a SOP. So this is what he wrote. To all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and offended and affected by my post. In his apology, he noted that he stands against anti-Semitism and wishes that his original post about Hebrews to Negroes had been more upfront about what he does and doesn't find valuable about the black Hebrew-Israelite Inst- doctrine outlined within the film. Like most Instagram apologies, Irving felt a bit perfunctory and performative, not least because it came the same day he was suspended indefinitely by the Nets over the controversy. Are we really supposed to believe that Irving underwent such a massive amount of personal growth in the span of hours? Are we really supposed to believe That it's a genuine change of heart and not a response to a pressure campaign from his employers? And given how limited in scope the apology is, expressing regret for giving off the appearance of anti-Semitism while only vaguely gesturing to the specifics of why people might think that he's anti-Semitic, are we really supposed to believe he had a nuanced understanding of why people are angry? Notably, even the Nets aren't impressed by the effort. While General Manager Sean Marks acknowledged the apology in a, as a step in the right direction, he says it wasn't enough to get Irving reinstated at this time. To his credit, Irving does appear to have written the statement all by himself, as it lacks the polished tone of a crisis response publicist works. It's easy to point out all the flaws in Irving's attempt at an apology, but hollow as his statement may have been, I don't think that he is the source of the problem here. In tossing off an Instagram apology in response to finally facing the consequences of his actions, Irving is merely taking part in a widespread ritual. It's one where apologies aren't a sign of genuine remorse or personal growth, but an obligatory act of penance that's performed in response to a public call-out. Far from showing a deep understanding of one's wrongdoings, it's more about a desire to get things back to normal. Time and time again, we've seen public figures dole out apologies, like Irving's. Ones that insist that the person meant nothing wrong, that they were merely misunderstood, that their story for the negative feelings they inspired by a truly good person at heart. Every time we watch this cycle play out, it feels more and more meaningless. Indeed, the public apology has been devalued. If you genuinely care about apologies, as I certainly do, it's hard not to feel a bit despondent, but perhaps it's our fixation on them, or at least apology statements, that's the problem here. They individualize an act of wrongdoing, boiling it down to one bad person who must make amends. But the current issue of Kyrie Irving isn't about Kyrie Irving alone. It's about a system of celebrity, and especially sports celebrity, that refuses to hold its stars accountable until they finally cross some arbitrary red line. It's a system that's more concerned with keeping up appearances than actually investing in healthy community and cultures of care. It's so frustrating that he has been allowed to remain largely unchecked up until this point. Even as he spread increasingly disturbing conspiracy theories over years, watching his trajectory, it's not hard to see how he wound up exposing, or at least appearing to endorse, anti-Semitic beliefs. If the NBA is truly invested in curbing anti-Semitism and promoting respect for all people, then why did it take this long to address Irving's slide into harmful conspiracies? Why was there no serious attempt at intervention before he finally managed to trigger the ritual of suspension and perfunctory apology? In the wake of his suspension, Irving is required to meet with Jewish community leaders and participate in counseling before he can return to games. It's a nice enough gesture, but it's hard not to feel like it's too little too late. If the NBA had been invested in Irving as a person and not just a symbol of their franchise, they may have worked to get him help, to expose him to the flaws within his worldview, long before he got to the point of promoting a film that peddles Holocaust Denial. Had they finally done that? If they'd actually done that, well, who knows? They might have even spared us of having to read yet another celebrity apology on Instagram. So that was uh NBC News. That was written by that was written by by Lux Alptrom. He's the author of uh, he's the author of many books. And uh and I agree with him. There's there's you know when you read these celebrity apologies, when you read the stuff that they do, they they feel that they're invincible. Celebrities, first of all, feel they're invincible because uh, they know that anything that they do, uh, it's not going to destroy them. Kanye West lost a billion dollars, one billion dollars, over comments he made about Jews. That all he had to do was apologize. If he would have apologized, it probably would have all gone away. But Kanye West couldn't apologize. He was too full of himself to be able to step back and say, I said something wrong, and I apologize to the Jewish community. So the Jewish community did what they do best. They proved the conspiracy theory right. When Kanye West said that the Jews control the media and that you can't do anything in town uh, unless the Jews agree with it, and then when after he said that, the Jews got upset and had him canceled, (laughs) they just proved his point, didn't they? So, so we keep doing that. We keep proving their points. Now I'm not saying we should ignore them because ignoring Jew hatred actually is dangerous. We, we've seen the results of ignoring Jew hatred. We can't afford to ignore it. So if we can't react to it because when we react to it we give them excuses to, uh, to justify their point of view. Now Kanye West could just point to the fact that you know, the Jews got upset and take a look what happened to his fortune. He could point to that as proof of his conspiracy theory of proof that, uh, that Jews control the media. So, so when we react to it, we, we give them proof that, uh, that what they said was right. And when we don't react to it, we make ourselves sitting ducks. It seems to me that we are in a conundrum. What, what are we supposed to do? How do you react to something when you know that you're hurting yourself? And how do you not react to something when you know that not reacting is hurting yourself? I wish I had an answer. I wish I could answer the question. And now maybe I could give you a, a an answer that's, you know, a well-thought-out answer. Maybe I could give you some kind of answer that, uh, that, that will make you be able to sleep at night. But the truth is that we can't. That, that we have to take our chances and, and do what we feel is right. So answering these people is, uh, is right. Not answering these people is also right. And I know that uh, the B'nai B'riss and the Simon Wiesenthal Centers and the Anti-Defamation Leagues are going to be angry at me for saying that because they make their money. This is how they make a living. They make their money by answering these kind of people. If I if Jew hatred disappeared tomorrow, so would all these organizations. So they must, they must find Jew hatred. They must pull it out from under every, every rock and, and must point it out in every possible place that they could find it in order to keep their organizations running. In order to keep the donations, the money flow coming in. So, I I really believe that many of the things that the Jewish community reacts to and gets upset about, because the ADL condemned it, or because because B'nai Brith condemned it, or because uh, some federation in North America condemned it, is all just a farce. It's 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 overblown propaganda, in order to um, to keep the organizations running. Now, am I saying that Jew hatred doesn't exist? Of course I'm not saying that, because that would be a lie. And I would never lie to you. But I do believe it's exaggerated by certain organizations in order to benefit themselves. People preying on Jewish people happens every single day. People being attacked in the streets in New York City is a reality. We've seen video of it. I I pulled you up uh, just not long ago. I pulled you up uh, clip after clip after clip of Jews being attacked in the streets of New York. But unfortunately, Jews actually physically being attacked in the streets of New York takes a backseat when Kanye West or, or, or this guy Irving, uh, some basketball player, makes a statement that's contrary to Jews. So the freakout that we've seen over Kanye West's statement and the statement of, um, of, uh, of this basketball player doesn't even, you know, is, is, is 150,000 times more intense than the freak-out we saw when Jews were being physically attacked in the streets of New York over the last three summers. The Jewish community, the Jewish organizations, did nothing to try to counter that. When the governor of New York got up and, and and showed a picture of Hasidic Jews praying and said that this is these are the super spreaders of COVID at a press conference that was televised across New York State and across the world. The Anti-Defamation League and B'nai B'rith and, and, and the federations did nothing. They said nothing. They did nothing. Maybe it's because he was a Democrat. I don't know. But the story is that if we don't defend ourselves, nobody's going to defend us and if we only defend ourselves because uh because it's profitable then then why are we bothering and what's what's the point if we ignore the unprofitable stories because they're not going to take uh, hold in the media and we focus only on the profitable stories what's the point years ago i uh, i remember i reported to a radio station um I reported a, a, a swastika stabbed on the synagogue, and I condemned it on behalf of Save All Jews Everywhere, an organization I was running at the time. And, um, and I remember getting a call from a, from a pulpit rabbi in the city who said to me, how dare I? He asked the question, how dare I call the media and talk on behalf of the Jewish community? Only he was allowed to call the media and talk on the Jewish, uh, behalf of the Jewish community. And I said to him, I, I don't understand. Who died and made you boss? And he was like, he was like, no, no, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Because you know people with money run the community. And you don't have money. And you know, he's right. People like me, who've dedicated their entire lives uh, working for the community. I've worked for the Jewish community in one capacity or another since I'm 16 years old. I've always had a Jewish community job. And... People like me who work for the Jewish community for so many years never get the recognition at all. And I'm not looking for it. I'm just saying it just never happens. We never get the recognition because I don't speak the right language. Because I don't have the right last name. And because I don't support the right causes. So standing up, if I was a guy who got on every night and for 16 years, 17 years, that we're on Radio Shalom, 18 years, I think, with Radio Shalom, if I would have gotten onto my show every single night and said, hey, I support diversity, I think we should intermarriage, I, I think I, I, we should intermarry, I think assimilation is great, I would have been a darling of the community. But because I stood up for Judaism and stood up for the rights, and I continue to do that, and stood up for, for, for Jewish people, the Jewish people, I, I was never considered the darling of the community. Nobody cared uh, about, you know, accolades or, or, or congratulating me. You know, in all the years that I've been doing radio and, and, and I've had huge listenerships, this show here has a huge listenership, but uh, you, you know, when I was on the radio, when I was on the AM dial, we had we had tons and tons of listeners. In all the years that I've been on the radio, nobody's ever invited me to be a speaker anywhere, to come to a Shabbaton and speak at a Shabbaton, to, to talk at a synagogue, to to teach a class, nothing nothing and it's always shocked me i mean i've never really put myself out for this but it's always shocked me that nobody's ever approached me to do stuff like that now it, i don't mind and i'm not looking to do it and i and, and you know it it doesn't doesn't bother me but the but the idea that it never happened in all these years seems kind of alien to me only because I can't be the only person out there who, 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 who agrees with what I'm saying. Now, if I am, then I don't know why you're listening to the show. Maybe you want to get upset with me. That's fine. But if I'm not the only person who agrees with me, then where is everyone else? Why do I always feel, or most of the time, I feel like I'm the only one screaming into the woods, screaming into the darkness? Why is there nobody else getting up and screaming? What happened to all the active Jews? Where have they gone? I, I have no idea. Maybe you know. You can email me, howie at truetalkradio.com. All right, so the phones are out, and uh, so am I. I will see you again tomorrow, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We're going to be on tomorrow, um, probably same time around 10 p.m., and uh, as a bonus, at midnight, we'll be on with uh, Political Hitman uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow at midnight. Well, not tomorrow at midnight. Uh, two days at midnight. Wednesday at midnight. We'll be on a uh, political hitman on Israel News Talk Radio Air here on the True Talk Radio network also. So until then, I bid you a good night and uh, and and have a great one and I'll see you tomorrow. Right here on TrueTalkRadio.com Don't forget to download the True Talk Radio app and don't forget to like the Howie Silberger Show on Facebook and you can join the Howie Silberger Show group where we talk about politics and a whole lot more. Alright, I'll see you again tomorrow.